Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Hey, everybody. It's Kelly Kurz, Logan Gordon, Peter Klein. A busy show today. And as promised, earlier in the week, it's going to be a different show where it's going to be very interactive. We're going to open the phone lines, the text lines. We want to hear from you. And we've got two awesome guys to do just that coming up at 1230. We'll chat with our NHL insider, Eric Tehachik. So ask away. Uh, he is, he's in the Hall of Fame, so he knows stuff. And our Flames insider, our junior hockey insider, our, our spirit animals, Peter Labardius. And we're going to talk to him right now. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Lou, we're going we're gonna to start with something that really bores the pants and you don't have a lot of passion for. So hopefully you can just dig I'll in. muster something up yeah. if I'm, I'm... I'm still trying to wrap my head around and we'll go to the dictionary to find out what the definition of a spirit animal is. I think... <laughs> That may be a first in my life, but anyway, I think I know the connotation of that as well. Oh, my goodness. So the uh, the list came out for, uh, you know, the training camp or, as it were, kind of the list for for the juniors, for the World Junior Championships, and, and lots, to th- lots to talk about and lots to dig into. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the, the local kind of content, but I guess kind of cool, Flames have uh, two draft picks that have been invited. Yeah, Jacob Pelche and Connor Zeri, their last couple of first-round picks, and certainly no surprise. In fact, had he not been hurt um, last December, I think there was a real solid chance that Jacob Pelche could have even been in the mix and made his way on to Team Canada you know, for the 2020 edition that ended up winning the gold medal in the Czech Republic. So that was not a surprise. Connor Zeri coming off a... 86-point season and in Kamloops um, has just done nothing but get better and better, sees the game extremely well. And, you know, the more that I research this Saskatoon young man, um, you know, the more I'm, I'm really enjoying the thought of getting an opportunity to know him because I'm always fascinated, Kelly, in the kids that, you know, just don't, go through all the routine and the rigmarole from all I've researched on him. He seems like he's a hockey nut. And I guess if you're a hockey and sports nut, you're, you're always in this day and age, at least I am fascinated on somebody who, you know, you might share that type of an experience with. And I always believe too, that, you know, guys who are completely all in, um, guaranteed he's and i know this in watching him you know he's an emotional guy he, he wears it on his sleeve a little bit and um I, i'm really intrigued and i'm really intrigued for him you know the first thing i need to do after this call and i've thought about it all morning is can i call cam moon because i because they're not letting the media into the camp like how can i hide somewhere in the century you know remember when bobby valentine had that disguise in the Mets dugout a hundred years ago. You can, where you can, can pretend where can you're I like a, a like, rink like, attendant or something. Yeah, He's like, wait a minute, right, that's, that's Labardius. Yeah. Get out of here. How, how do I get in for like that whole camp and 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 watch all that? Because it's you know it's it's great for the flames. They're well represented, but you know the the COVID times has called for a very different approach and you know what's now gonna be a month-long 
situation, generally the camp is somewhere between, you know, 25 and 32 players. You've extended it to 46. Um, I'm incredibly fascinated in the camp, the structure of the camp. And, and frankly, Kelly, it will also be, you know, forget about just getting to the final roster for Team Canada. I think a lot of these players, you know, especially the players who aren't even playing right now, think about now you have an expanded opportunity to play with the elite of the elite. You know, if you're an NHL team and you have players in this situation, like you have to be delighted, I would think. Yeah, I, I think so too. And it's such a it's such a great experience. They're not all gonna make it, obviously. No. But and and people always say that it's like, Oh, it's great to be nominated and you really want to win. But in this situation with Hockey Canada and how they run things and this is gonna be no matter if you're if you're there, you know, with the maple leaf on, on your chest or not. I mean, this is a long-term uh, game for a lot of these, or for all these young guys, right? So if they don't make the team, there's been all kinds of amazing NHL players that didn't make their junior team. I don't think there will be, you know, as long as they're invested in the process. My guess is there will not be, when, when I think about Andre Turnier and Mitch Love and the coaching staff um, and everybody involved in Hockey Canada, and again, another opportunity to in itself isolate your best people, bring them all together, you know, put them in a bubble and really have them compete against one another, you know, for a month before you even get down to the nitty gritty of who ends up making the team. Um, Listen, in its own way, this scenario, while it's taken a while, Kelly, I think will produce better players. I just I don't yeah. see any way around it. Look look at the environment. Look at the competition that the young men, you know, that group of 46 are going to get for the next month. Like, that's oh. quite an opportunity. I, I do want to mention uh, a bit, bit of a shout-out to uh, a guy that appears on the show a fair amount during the season. Uh, Jason LaBarbera uh, from the Calgary Hitman is going to be the Yeah, don't forget coach. him. So, so good and for what Barbs. a job he did. What a job he did last year. Remember the Canadian goaltending situation, and it will be somewhat that that way again with the five guys who have been invited to camp where, you know, do I think there's a clear-cut number one? And remember last year, that was very much the case. You know, Nico Dawes of the Ontario League started the tournament and then gave way to Joel Hofer of the Portland Winterhawks, the Winnipeg product, who, you know, guided Canada – to the win and in chatting with Jason you know myself last year after the experience you know he just talked about you know how important it was to be able to manage the kids and keep them ready and you know for regardless so he deserves a boatload of credit and again if you've ever been lucky enough to spend time with them forget about being a good coach Jason LaBarbera is just like I I can't spend enough time like I Thoroughly, and I'm not just saying it, I thoroughly have enjoyed every visit we've ever had. Yeah, good guy. Um, He's a great guy. Peter Klein, anything when you saw that list uh, this morning that came across, anything that, you know, I scanned for all the Alberta connections and, and had a look at that. What did you see uh, with that that list of, uh, of young guys that are going to try and play for Canada? 
Uh, a couple of things. A, I saw a lot of talent, and I, I think that with the uncertainty around the NHL, um, I, I think this is going to be one of the better world junior teams that we've seen. Um, I, I did not see Alexi Lafreniere's name on there, though, and I, I'm assuming that's just a either, look, he doesn't have to try out. If, if he's available, he'll make it, or if that's something with the Rangers, but I was a little surprised that I didn't see his name on there. You know what, Peter, and I, I really wasn't. Um I think if there's any way for him to be involved, I, I think that will be the case. But I also, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, you know, he's played in two of them. Um, you know, the New York Rangers and Alexi and his camp may just feel like that chapter and that page has turned. The timing of the next NHL season will have a lot to do with it um you know selfishly i'm i'm very much hoping that he is involved and again um you know how great would it be come christmas day not boxing day this year but christmas day when the world junior starts in edmonton if every under 20 player in the world was made available regardless of country like if you start going through some lists you know and the rangers have another player peter that is eligible his name is capo caco who would still be eligible after playing a significant role at 17 in finland winning the world junior championship a couple of go rounds ago in vancouver he scored the winning goal remember against the united states so you know i am i'm very hopeful you know i can't wait to see when the nhl gets back to work but somewhat selfishly if it could happen in a way that you get the world junior done and then the NHL gets into business, <laughs> I wouldn't be overly disappointed. It is Hockey Central at noon right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We've got Peter Klein. We've got Logan Gordon. Of course, Peter Labardius. Eric Dehatchik coming in after 1230 as we talk all things hockey. Uh, and here's the deal. A uh, couple ways you can get a hold of us. We said this is sort of a free-for-all uh, show today if you want to. Getting a hold of uh, Peter Labardi, a couple of ways you can do that. You can text in at 960-960, or you can phone in, if you dare, uh, at 403-240-4444. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just take some calls. And it doesn't have to be about the World Juniors. It can be about the Flames. It could be about the NHL. It could be uh, some sort of historical reference. But if you want to talk to Lou, just 240-4444 or uh, Star 960 on Rogers Wireless and, of course, our text line. So, PK, maybe uh, fire a couple more uh, questions at, at Lou, and we'll see if we can get the text line going. Yeah, um, obviously this is a, a tournament that's been dominated by guys who have already been picked in the NHL before, but I, I thought Lafreniere really kind of solidified that number one spot in the draft with a fantastic world junior. Uh, that That's a, a very high bar to set for draft-eligible players, but are there a couple on Canada's roster that have a chance to, to really improve their draft stock with a good tournament? Well, one of the interesting players that made the list that I don't have a lot of experience with is a highly touted defenseman who's 6'5", 6'6". He's going to the University of Michigan by the name of Owen Power. And he's been likened a little bit to the likes of of Victor Hedman. And there are certain people in a draft that uh, right now, I think, Peter, is pretty wide open you know, there isn't necessarily a Lafreniere or a McDavid or, a, or you know, some of the other players that we've seen come along that 
you know, it seems like a one horse or a two horse race. This one seems to be more open at the top, but um, he is certainly one guy that jumped out for me because frankly, I wasn't even 100% sure. I think there's an opportunity for him to have played for um, either country. So, um, it was interesting to see him on that list, and for Canada at least, and there's others in other countries um, that certainly have jumped to mind. Because the other thing that's going to go on here very shortly, uh, between November 5th and 7th, you know, the, the Swedish team is getting together to play against the Finnish team, and there's those types of annual kind of situations. They won't be tournaments. Generally, they're four- and five-nations tournaments that go on in Europe or sometimes in the U.S. and Michigan, you know, with their development program. But now they're kind of, you know, they've been scaled down because of health to country versus country. So to get back to the original one, that was a name in that category that really jumped out at me this morning. Fidel Vardis is our guest, and as promised, we are opening up the phone lines and the text lines to ask Lou. And Logan is our first uh, is our first guest. John, is that uh, what I see there? Yes, correct. We All are right, John, John, you're on the air with Peter Labardius. Go ahead, Peter. Get to talk to a legend here. <laughs> well, I I, well, I, I, three, I doubt actually, that, but, but thank you kindly. Listen, I'm a big uh, WHL fan, and I, and I go see the teams when they come to Calgary because they only come once, as you know. But one thing I'd like to see your broadcast do is give some of the ex-hitmen a little more love when they come to Calgary, like Jake Bean hasn't come here yet, but when he does, and Victor Rask, and I know a couple of the hitmen, or one of the hitmen was drafted anyway. But anyway, just give some of the ex-hitmen a little more love when they come through town. Thanks a lot. That's all. Thanks, John. I appreciate cool. that, and uh, thanks for calling in. And, you know, I think we're always trying our best to, you know, keep some of those Calgary connections and, and Western Hockey League connections. Uh, needless Sounds to say. like the Alberta made player of the game, Lou. It, well, it's yeah. There's <laughs> there's that tie in for sure. All so, right. Yeah, it's it's always good to get the feedback, and uh, we'll certainly continue to keep that in mind. I'm I'm not a very hard sell when it comes no. to uh, don't have to twist you know, making sure those guys get their due. All right. Next up is uh, Mike. Mike, you're on with uh, Peter Labardis. Go ahead. Hey, Lubo. Good talking to hey. you. Always enjoy our chats. Appreciate it. So, Lubo, I've, I've uh, heard you in the last little while talking about the uh, first line possibly needing a new look. And uh, I'm actually right there with you. I thought that line dragged down the rest of the team and against Dallas. So, if you don't mind, I'm hoping that uh, I could I could tell you what I believe the Flames should do. I'm just hoping to get your opinion on it. Sure, absolutely. So, you know... All of last season, I think the best line that I saw was Kachuk, Backlund, and Manjapani. Uh, they were absolutely number one for me, no questions asked. You know, they played against the top lines and, and uh, you know, forced the opposition to defend them in, in the offensive zone. And, you know, you can see them cycling in the puck and, you know, always creating scoring chances. And to me, I, that's the way to go. I think that's winning hockey. So I'm not touching that line at all. And I think it's fair to say that Lucic, Ben, and Dubé, the way they played in August, after what they did, I'm I'm not touching that line either. I think it's fair to, to give them another shot. But you know what line really intrigued me last season, Lou? No. Which one? I I thought that the Kachuk, Lindholm, and Johnny Goudreau line was actually very good together. And they only played a couple of games, but 
when I saw them play together for, you know, roughly 30, 40 shifts, the ice tilted every time that they were out there. And I believe that Flames management should look into recreating that same line by possibly looking at trading Sean Monahan for another winger, maybe on the same level as Matthew Kachuk. And I was just wondering what your opinion on that well, might be. Well, I, I've thought, you know, and, and thanks for thanks for the thoughts, and I listen to you, you know, quite a bit when I'm tuning in on overtime and always appreciate your thoughtfulness and, and how invested you are. Um, I would say this. Um, one of the most intriguing things for me going forward is there's a big part of me that would like to see Elias Lindholm down the middle. Um, you know, I guess, and it's, it's easy to do, but I've always thought and have said it on the air that, you know, in some ways I see Elias a little bit like Patrice Bergeron and there's only one of those, but you know, I think mm-hmm. he impacts the game. He plays more minutes than anyone. He's, he's reliable. He can finish. And, you know, so, uh, and I think about Boston's line in this sense, Mike, you know, with Kachuk, it's a very Marchand, you know, type of person. And Jeff, needless to say, I'm sure has thought about it. And he's made reference to looking at Lindholm that way. Now, the issue sometimes is you, you can't build the exact line because at this point in time, I think we'd all agree, and I think, Mike, you will, that, you know, the, the Flames don't necessarily have somebody for the other part of that group maybe like Pasternak, but further to your point, maybe, you know, throwing Johnny in that spot as your most explosive guy would, would make some sense. And like you, I know one thing is you have to try to do some things different, but you also now, as you know, with all these signings that maybe people don't think are significant, I think they're significant. Um, and, and one guy that really intrigues me is Josh Levo because he has shown me, Mike, that I think there's more there. I really do. And mm-hmm. he can add to your power play. The puck explodes off his stick. Um, the thing about Calgary and its forward group in the reconstruction is Calgary still, to me, doesn't necessarily have game changing offensive people like some of the elite of the elite. So Mm -hmm. building a better four line team with more options to do it is what I'm interested in. But like you, I'm at a point now where, you know, you have to truly identify. And the other part for me, Mike, that I throw back at you and we'll probably move on to some other people because Eric's coming Mm -hmm. up at the bottom of the hour is it's not only just the construction, but how they're utilized. So, you know, I think part of what Jeff even implemented in August was the other guys' minutes started to go up, and why? Because they deserved the minutes. So, you know, there's coaches really only have, you know, one hammer to play in this day and age in a lot of ways, and that's how many minutes guys get. So I'm a big believer, and if you're holding up your end of the bargain in the minutes, you get to play. And if you're not, then maybe some things need to be taken away. And now, because the Flames have more options than I think they've had in the past, now I think it's easier 
to go in that direction, if that makes sense. Well, thanks for the uh, the call, Mike. We appreciate it. We've got Peter Labardi's taking your calls here on Hockey Central at noon. We've got David up next. David, welcome to Hockey Central. You're on with Peter Labardius. Go ahead. Oh, hey, just give me a second here. I'm going to kill my speakerphone. That's a good idea. Then you don't have that distortion. We don't want that, Lou. No. <laughs> I can okay. create my own distortion. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead, David. <laughs> uh, can you hear me good and clear? Yeah, yeah, we sure can. Thanks for calling. Okay, I, I've, I've had this question for a while. I, I've noticed uh, when one team gets two men in the penalty box, the other team gets one man in the penalty box, and it's a five-on-four instead of a four-on-three. I've always wondered, why does that happen? Well, because in, in the way the rule is, so if if they're coincidentals to start with, then, you know, we go to four on four. But if the coincidentals, like, will happen after the original penalty, then, you know, the ruling is to go five on four rather than four on three. I'm not saying I'm in complete agreement with it, but I'm pretty sure that's the understanding of, of why those things occur. Okay, then how does it work when the players come out of the penalty box? When do, when do they come out? Well, well, the guys can't come out until play stops so that there is no advantage. So you have to serve your time, and because there's a penalty going on already, that penalty expires. So those guys have to remain in because when the other guy goes back out, we're back at five on five, right? So those yeah. guys have to stay in until a whistle happens so that they can both get out at the same time. And then who's deciding who's the player who gets to come out? Well, the the only guy that gets to come out under that circumstance is the guy who went in first. Well, there penalties called at the same time is what I'm saying. Like three penalties called at the same time? Yeah. You get a double minor to one guy. Uh, a, a minor and a minor to one well, guy. Then, then who committed the then who committed the first foul, or or the foul that is unto itself. So yeah, all you can do is I'll like, call it the same time. Is what I'm saying. Well, but got, can can you remember a situation where there was three different fouls committed at once, where two guys weren't involved together? There are times in front of the net and a scrum or something that the like that's, call. that's that's I'm very you know usually in those situations I find David that you know one one play starts the penalties. Well, th- thanks. Whether whether that's coincidental or not, and then maybe somebody else you know gets gets involved and somebody throws a punch in a scrum. And that's where the extra. So, yes, are they all technically called at the same time? They are, but they still require one action before another action. It is Hockey Central at noon right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's our Ask Lou section, and we're going to have Ask Eric DeHatchik coming up in about five minutes. Let's uh, go to another call at 240-4444. It's George. George, take it away. Mr. Labardius, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, sir. How are you? Right, right back at you. I would have been disappointed if I didn't hear from you today. 
You almost didn't. There's a tropical storm going down here right now. Knocked out oh, all the power, but it came on just in time. Okay. Of course you did. Okay. <laughs> what do you got for me, Simple my good question. man? Simple question for you, my friend. Who do you think has the greater upside of the most recent Flames first-round picks, Jacob Peltier or Connor Zeri? Ooh, I love this question. Um, I see them. I see, so when you talk about is your definition, George, of upside who I see as potentially the bigger point producer? Yes, What's and your the overall bigger impact upside? maker. Um, they're different. So I'm not trying to skirt the question, um, but but I see Pelche really as as a Swiss Army knife type of player that's really versatile, um, can move up and down your lineup. I, I see, you know, I, I can't make this direct comparison, but I see Samandra Mangiapane there in terms of, you know, he's got good offensive upside. I don't think, you know, he has elite offensive upside, but his will, his work, his ability to be thrown in every situation and do really well, um, I'm a big fan. In terms of Connor, uh, you know, I, I just I don't have as quite as good a feel, George, at this point. I know that offensively, I think his ability to see the game at an incredibly high level gives him gives him an advantage in the hockey people that I've talked to and even in my own viewings going back to watching him as a 15 year old with team Saskatchewan at the WHL cup and hockey scouts have told me the same thing um if skating if his skating continues to improve to allow his great mind and his like this guy competes too so you know I always look at it this way, George, is I think you've hit a bit of a home run with any draft pick that can flat out be a for sure NHLer and find a way into a role. And and in some ways, I see both those guys with top six potential, but they're both going to play. There we go. Awesome. Great question, George. Take care. Thanks. You too. Stay safe. There we go. Thanks for calling in to Hockey Central at noon. We've got one more. He's been patient. He's Tim. You're on the air with Pete Obardis. Go ahead. First off, thank you very much for opening the lines and taking my call. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, Mr. Lubardius, it's a pleasure to actually get to talk some hockey with you real quick, sir. Well, and right back at you. So, on the patient side, yes, because originally I am a Leaf fan, still am at heart, but I'm now a transplanted Calgarian and go, go Flames. So, on the first point, you guys mentioned Levo. The fans in Calgary are going to love watching Josh play. Firecracker, great shot, great player. He's a stand-up guy, and uh, he plays with grit. You're really going to love him. I can tell you that much. Yeah, I don't – Tim, I don't disagree. I've felt that way since watching him in his first year in Sudbury in the Ontario Hockey League, and uh, I agree. I, I think he's got a chance to, to make an impact. Yeah, we were sorry to see him leave Toronto. Like he was, he was one of those players, right? So, uh, my real, my real uh, point for phoning here is I'm looking forward to what I think is for, for sure going to be a Canadian division, seven teams, probably a 56 game schedule to get in the playoffs before the, the Olympics. I can really see some nice rivalries across the board. 
not just Toronto, Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, uh, and Calgary, Edmonton, but Calgary, Vancouver, Edmonton, Toronto. Like I see a, I see a really good possibility for some really good hockey amongst our Canadian teams this year. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, Tim, honestly, not only do I hope that it happens, you know, when we restart again, I think there's some potential actually, depending on the schedule, for some long-term viability. For exactly the things that you talked about, uh, I think it will have great appeal in our country. I think it will make way more games throughout the course of, you know, a 56 or when we get back to normal, hopefully an 82 game schedule. Uh, I think it's at a time where so many of the Canadian teams are on the precipice of better things. Uh, It excites the daylights out of me. It really does. To the point where I've even said, Tim, on the show that, you know, I'm even willing to give up, you know, seeing a couple of the better players in the league because I'm about rivalry. That's like that's yeah, for what sure. it is for that's what it is for me. I'm not saying that's for everybody. You know, for some people it would just crush them if they couldn't see every single one of the best players at least once. If you can give me more exciting rivalry games, I like that too, but I'll take that trade off if this is what occurs as a result. No, I agree. I'm an 80s kid, right? Grew up with Leafs and, and Montreal, yep. Leafs and Detroit. When Shanahan came to town, oh, my God. But I'm looking forward to uh, uh, Calgary and Edmonton. I think it's going to be ramped up even more. But I'm as a Toronto boy, I'm looking at Toronto-Ottawa. I think Ottawa is the team to beat this year with all the additions they've made. And I like Matt Murray. I know everybody's down on him. A change of scenery, this could be all he needs. Well, I think they've got lots of work left to do, but in the next couple of years, I think when it all molds together, I think they have a chance to get to a much better place. But one thing that I always warn people is until you've done it at the highest level, and I get every bit as excited as prospects (laughs) and their journey as everybody, but... You know, as long as as long as there's not impatience there, I think I think Pierre Dorian's starting to do some real good things. No, I agree. I agree. I just hope uh, Mr. Melnick keeps his hands out of the kitchen and uh, <laughs> allows the people he pays to do their job. Tim, we appreciate it. Thanks for thanks for calling into Hockey Central. Thanks so much. Cheers. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you very much. There thanks we go. for the call, Tim. Well, that worked out pretty good, Lou. Yeah, I was a little worried. I thought, is this a dumb idea? And if it was going to be a dumb idea, I'd, I'd just blame PK and say, don't come up with dumb <laughs> ideas. But since it worked so well, I'm just going to take credit for it and say, wow, this may be something. We, we, I we think you on. should. Okay. I think you should. <laughs> All right, Lou, we kept you late. We appreciate it. I know you're going to talk to the guys tomorrow. We'll talk soon, my friend. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Klein, why can't you come up with great ideas like I do all the time? Like that's a, that's a high standard to set. I mean, <laughs> it's it's like it, it, it's like asking, hey. Yanni Ortio, how come you can't be Mika Kiprasov? Yeah. Like sometimes people just have limitations. It's, I just can't. You know? I just I can't I can't keep up to that level. So anyway, that's kind of no. fun. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, we're gonna try uh, same thing with uh, Eric Tehachuk, so we can ask him anything. He knows tons of things about hockey. He is our NHL insider. He's coming up next. We are live on location at the Iconic Studio, powered by Iconic Electric and Controls Excellence. It's iconic. 
Contact them today at iconicec.ca. Take a break. Talk to Dehatchuk next on Hockey Central at Noon. Hockey Central at Noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Kelly Kirsch, Peter Klein, Logan Gordon talking hockey right till 1 o'clock in the arrival of the big show with Peter Klein. And then we get Will Nolte Steinberg to bring you home and football on the radio tonight. We're going to have a lot of football in the next little while, boys. Um, <laughs> that's all we're going to have for the next little while. But uh, that is uh, Carolina and Atlanta will go at uh, 6 o'clock. All right. Uh, we have our NHL insider uh, on the line. He's Eric Dehatchik. Eric, how are you? Good, good. By the way, uh, you know I'm a big NFL fan, right? So when when you see a game like that on the on the uh, on, on television, and you think, does anybody care about it? Those of us that have Hayden Hurst and Calvin Ridley on our fantasy teams, yes, we care about it. And, and I'm playing Pierre LeBron head to head this week. This is Pierre's uh, fantasy league that we're in, and he's got a couple of players going tonight too. So I can tell you what I'm doing this evening. Oh, I mean, yeah. Nothing to do with being an NHL insider. I can tell you that. There we go. All right, he uh, he's Eric Dehatchik. He comes down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. A guest hotline and Eric, we're uh, we're going to open up the phone lines and let people uh, ask away uh, on this segment. We had a good one with with Labardia, so we'll see. And uh, it's just no tennis questions, guys. Like you know, ask Eric anything you want, but for God's sakes, no tennis questions. Two four zero forty four forty four or star nine sixty on on Rogers Wireless. You can text in if you don't feel like you want to just type away and just text in. You can do that at nine six zero nine six zero four zero three two four zero forty four forty four is the is the number to call uh i guess i, I want to ask you one just off the top eric um dallas stars making some news i guess they they have super cool third jerseys and uh they take the interim tag off their head coach your thoughts yeah, well, so I think all along uh, the decision was going to be up to Rick Bodas because you know he went in there under you know difficult circumstances, took over the team, um, really brought a kind of a like a fractured group together. They weren't even playing all that well when they made the decision to to part ways with uh, with Jim Montgomery. And anyone that's dealt with you know Rick over the years, like like a lot of us have for a lot of years, uh, knows that he's he's just a really stand up guy. And so that you hear the term players coach thrown around a lot and it can mean lots of different things but but I think if you if you were asked the players to define it they would say you know finding that someone that has your back all the way and, and yet is you know you can have a frank and open conversation about whether you're playing well or whether you're not playing well and so Rick Bonus you know fits that description and and the job he did there was remarkable but you know he is someone that's getting on in years and so it was pretty clear that that he would have to just decide whether he wanted the commitment that it takes to do this job on a full-time basis or if he was willing to go back and just be an associate coach, in which case, you know, they had the, you know, the, the next guy in line there, which would, would have been John Stevens, who's the former head coach in, in Los Angeles and, and was a key member of that coaching staff. So they've decided to go with status quo. That makes, uh, that makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, you know, that's an organization right now that because of the age of that central group that they've got there, and, and especially the development we've seen in, uh, in Miro Heiskanen, that, that I think they feel that the, the window to compete for a championship is open. I mean, they came close this year. Uh, you know, it's going to be tough again, you know, to, to match that. But why would you alter something if you don't have to? And so I think Rick ultimately made the decision that, uh, that he did want to be an NHL head coach and that, it, that he is with a team that has a chance to win next year. 
And so, you know, I, I hardly endorse that. I mean, Dallas is interesting, for, you know, if you don't mind me just going on a bit of a tangent, because they haven't yet made a decision about Tyler Sagan. So remember that about a month ago, uh, there was a report that, you know, Sagan may need surgery because he's got a torn labrum in his hip. And my understanding, just from my reporting, is that there will be a decision made early next week, sometime between Monday and Wednesday. And if he does go forward with the surgery, it will be a four-month recovery, four to six months, actually. So depending on when the NHL season starts, they could be without one of their top three forwards. But if he does have the surgery, the feeling is that he will be back in time for the second half of whatever shortened season they play and then be ready to gear up uh, in time for the, for the 2021 playoffs. And there's similar sort of scenarios unfolding with Ben Bishop. You know, he's, he, he, had, uh, he had that uh, knee injury and they had to go to Anton Hudobin. So my understanding is that, that he is going to be fine to play. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that by the time it starts to matter for Dallas, um, they, should have, they should have that team back together and healthy. And this, now they have the same coaching staff. So we'll see where it goes. There we go. Eric Dachuk, our NHL insiders, right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. A special show today. We thought, let's open up the phone lines and get our great listeners to Ask uh, Eric some questions. We'll start with Sean. Uh, Sean, you're on the air. Tell us. Uh, ask away. Hi there, Eric. Uh, first time caller here. Awesome. Glad to have you aboard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just wanted to get. Uh, I have a two part question. Um, get your thoughts on. Uh, you know, I've heard over the years that people have said that the Flames were our management in the past. You know, guys like Daryl Sutter were a bit. Russophobic, you know, they were still, they had Russian players, guys like Saprikin, did a lot of damage in those days, good player. But do you think this kind of uh, recent move that Treleving and the new management has done with, with guys signing guys like Zagi Doolin, this really promising goalie, and uh, Nikita Nesterov, Kuznetsov, uh, do you guys think that these players could contribute, uh, you know, a different uh, feel in, in the... In, in the team, you think they're going to get some play time um, for the, you know, the flaming sea. And do you think that they could get us to a point where we're in a, you know, second round, third round Stanley cup final winning, winning the cup team? Well, so I guess the first part of the question was about, you know, did the, the, the team veer into a sort of a, a period of xenophobia after being, I mean, it, must, it has to be stated that they were the first team to ever uh, manage to recruit a player through official channels when it was still the Soviet Union, right? So that was back mm-hmm. in the late 80s when, when they negotiated the release of Sergei Priyakin, and at that point they had already drafted Sergei Makarov. So there was a handful of teams that were at the forefront of this, Russian evolution, I suppose, in the National Hockey League. Detroit was one, New Jersey was one, Calgary was the other. And they did, they got some decent mileage out of Makarov, Priyak, and never, never worked out. Um, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, because I wasn't inside those scouting rooms, whether they actually simply did not have Russian players on, on the list, because a lot of times what will come up is you have your list there, and you, you know, like the reason you spend six to nine months preparing a, a list is that 
when there's a name at the top of the list, that's the name that you pick. Um, mm-hmm. But you're right, based on what we've seen lately, you know, they, they seem to have, have been, you know, <laughs> spreading their wings a little bit further along the way. Now, yeah. how many of these players that they've drafted in the, couple, in, the next, in the last little while are going to be impact players? That remains to be seen. I mean, you know, I would say the reports that you've gotten on uh, is it uh, Kuznetsov, the, the young Russian that they took 50s overall, Jan Kuznetsov? Yeah. Like, uh, he, he's the one that, that sounds really intriguing to me because what you're trying to do is get, uh, I think what you're trying to do is get like the, the next Nick Chalmerson when you're, when you're drafting at that point, right? Or, or somebody like, like Rasmus Anderson that, you know, that uh, has enough physical skills. And then if you can get them to commit to a level of training and then just sort of make that transition in your head to, to what it's like to be an NHL player, that's what you're hoping for. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think you win in the NHL with star players. So I don't think anyone that they've drafted I agree. Uh, in, in, in the, in, from Russia, uh, or for that matter, for the Czech Republic, you know, uh, grades well, out as a, as a star player. Um, and in the end, the, the organizations that uh, that succeed are the ones that that you know cast. Oh yeah, out. no, definitely. It's it's some of the it's just some of the styles of play. Like I watched the highlights of that goalie Zagi Dulin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I tell you, man, he reminds me of it's almost looks like Kipper, like in the, the glove movement and mm-hmm. just the the way he uses the glove. Like Kipper would, when he would save it with the glove and he would draw it in towards his chest, that sort of thing, like really quickly. And yeah. it was, it just reminds me of, it's so, it's very Kiprasov esque, you know? Wow. So, so you, you're, you have more information about him uh, than I do because I just haven't seen him play enough. What I would tell I, you, I though, really is that that I, the whole point of going out and signing Jacob Markstrom for six years was, you know, to once and for all find a guy that can do what Kiprasov did for Calgary all those years that he was here, which, gives, which was give them above average goaltending. And then at that point, you know, at, you know even, at, you know, a lot of people will say, uh, you know, towards the end of that contract, will that contract look good? What will be his level at the age, age of 35? Well, you hope that somebody that's, you know, that is either just put in, in the pipeline in the last year or two is then, you know, ready to step up and transition from number two to number one. It's going to be interesting, but... Um, yeah, no, definitely. And I think that there's, like, with, with the proximity of, like, Finland and, and, and Russia, I think that there's a bit of a training overlap. I don't want to say it's exactly the same, but it's the sort of the similar kind of mentality that's going on there in the, with the training, especially for the goalies, I think, because it's just seeing that those highlights of his, he really reminds me of uh, one of my favorite Flames players. There we go. Okay, Sean, we appreciate it. We're going to move yeah, on. No we appreciate it. Thanks for calling Thank into you. Hockey Central. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. Let's move along. Uh, we've got Kellen ready to go. Kellen, you're on the air with uh, the one, the only, Eric DeHatchett. Go ahead. Hey, guys. I'd like to say thanks for, for letting me ask a question here. I'm a big fan of Eric and you guys' show. Um, what, what I can ask for a question for is uh, not really Flames-specific, but um, with the kind of the free agency slowing down and um, with the pandemic in the cap world and the flat cap moving forward, what are you guys' thoughts on what uh, specifically the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to do with their RFAs and um, like Johnson and Gord and a couple other players? Like, How do you see them trying to get out of cap hell as a, um, as a team? Like, I'm a fan of a team that has cap room, and I was just wondering how they can weaponize it most efficiently to try to get a player uh, from Tampa, like uh, a Sergachev or a Sorelli, or you see them kind of moving on from those guys, or is that a last case kind of scenario there? 
No, I think that the goal in Tampa is to try and keep those great young players that are RFAs. So there has been a lot of talk about, you know, does a team that has the cap space, let's use Los Angeles as an example, uh, that hasn't done really anything in, in free agency, you know, are they hoarding that cap space to take a crack at making an offer sheet for one of those those good young players? Sergachev and Sorelli are the two guys that everyone thinks could be targeted. Um, I... I <laughs> I would do it if I, if I was a general manager with the cap space, if I thought that there was a chance that, that you, could, uh, you could use the clout that you have financially and, and, the, and the corner that they've painted themselves into to get a, a player that makes a difference. The problem is that, you know, that the, the history of the National Hockey League is that everybody that has tried that tactic, and Montreal tried it most recently with, uh, with Ajo, has failed at it. And so I think that what ends up happening is unless you're a general manager that really believes in taking bold steps, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, you know, certainly the, you know, the, the recent history of Los Angeles, that's a team that doesn't take bold steps. They're prepared to do things in the old tried-and-true methods. You know, the one guy that would be in a really good position to do that would be you know, Steve Eisenman in Detroit, because obviously Eisenman, when he was with Tampa, drafted a lot of those guys, and so he knows them, them really well. Would he do something like that to his own organization? I have my doubts. In terms of the first part of your question, how do you get out of that salary cap hell? Well, I think they're going to end up having to bury some contracts in the minors. I think a guy like, you know, Tyler Johnson, you know, uh, a real good serviceable NHL player, but, but not a $5 million player, even if there wasn't a salary there wasn't a pandemic, and with everybody so tight to the to the to the vest, I mean, you know, I did a column last Friday exploring what the best buys in free agency were, and and the players of his ability level were were going for a fraction of of that price. So, you know, unless you're really prepared to step up and and give, uh, you know, Tampa would have to give a first round pick in order to, uh, you know, to to get somebody to take him on. I, I just don't see that happening. So it's going to be interesting. I think what you're going to find more than anything else is an awful lot of really good NHL players that can play in the league are going to have their contracts buried in the minors because teams have no other choice. Well, we appreciate the call, Kellen. Thanks so much. We're going to move along here as we uh, have Eric Hatchek here on Hockey Central at noon. I, our next caller is Mick. Mick, you're on with Eric Hatchek. Go ahead. Hi, Eric. Always respect your opinion. Um, I think the Flames have a number one center, Elias Lindholm, and they're not using them there most of the time. Um, it seems pretty simple to me, but I was wondering what your opinion is. Can the Flames win a cup with Monaghan, Backlund, and Bennett as their top three centers? <laughs> I, I, I think yes. I think the answer is yes. Um, I, I, you know, the, the, the thing that I didn't like last year when they switched Lindholm to center was the fact that they felt that they then had to move Backlund to the wing. Uh, because I didn't think it was very effective over there. And if you, you, you'll remember that when they did move Backlund back to center, he played his best hockey of the, of the season. So basically what you're asking is if, if Lindholm plays center, like I, I think if Lindholm plays center, Backlund still has to play center. So how do, you, how do you sort out what happens after that? There's a part of me that wants to see this upcoming season used as a litmus test for what happens next. 
So I'm with you because if I'm gathering what you're saying with your question, I want to see Bennett at center. I want to see him at center in a top six role to see where he legitimately is. I mean, you know, he was taken one pick behind Leon Dreisaitl, you know, and, and he will tell you privately probably that, that he needs a greater opportunity to make more of an impact, to become an impact player in the <laughs> NHL. And the way he was when he first came into the league as a kid playing in that playoff series against Vancouver, you know, somewhere, you know, that sort of the presence that he had, you know, that player is hidden in there somewhere, and he has to get a chance. So, you know, what are we going to get? A 48-game season, a 56-game season? Organizationally, if I'm the Flames, I'm saying let's find out once and for all what we have in Sam Bennett. So if we're playing Bennett at center, I think you still have to play Monaghan there. I, think, I still think you have to play Backlund there. So that leaves Lindholm on the right side. And by the way, you know, you're so weak on the right side anyway that if you take him out of that role, then, then you've, you've created a massive hole for yourself anyway. So I want Lindholm to play one more year at the right side. I want to get answers about Sam Bennett and then see where we're at with Monaghan. The one thing about a guy like Sean Monaghan, lots of talk about moving him out. If you look at what was available in free agency this summer, lots of goalies, lots of defensemen, lots of wingers, lots of impact players at all those positions. The best center that was available, Eric Halla. So number one or number two centers, centers that have uh, performed as consistently as Monaghan, they are very hard to come by, and teams don't want to give them up. So if Calgary ever got to the position where they were ready to part with them, there's a long list of teams that would be willing to take them because you just can't find that commodity in free agency. Yeah. Well, I I guess we'll disagree. I usually agree with you 95% of the time, but I would run Lindholm, Monaghan, and Backlund at center, run three good lines, three scoring lines, and I'd I'd either put Bennett on the wing or I'd try to move him out for a legitimate top two winger like an Alex Tuck or something, a guy that's overpaid in Vegas, something like that. I would try something like that. I I think that uh, Calgary's got to fix that right wing. That's their biggest hole that I see on the team, and but I, I just think you got to have a number one center. you got to have Lindholm at center. And I, I think to win a cup, you got to have Lindholm at center, Monaghan as your number two, and Backlund as your number three. And then you can match up against anybody. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I think, Bennett needs to, I think Bennett needs to go somewhere else where he gets a decent chance. And he, like he said, he could, be, he could develop into something else somewhere else, but he needs to be moved. Well, and maybe the only thank disagreement we have is the timing, because I believe because of the, the weird nature of this year coming up, that there's value in using this year as, uh, to, to, to get answers about your team. And then, and then, you know, next September when hopefully life is back to normal and, and you can start to conduct a real NHL season under the, you know, the traditional uh, rules and, and protocols, then, then you know. Then you'll know. Yeah, but, uh, yeah exactly. So I, I think, think Gaudreau is the guy that's got to go, not Monaghan. I think Monaghan, if they slot him into the second line there where he's not facing the tough matchups, I think he's going to be just fine. But Johnny and Monty are not number one. They're, they got to be on the second line. Johnny could be number one if he's up with McDavid up in Edmonton, and that would be magic. But here in Calgary, he's the main guy, and he can't drive it being the main the main line. Okay, well, we so appreciate. What you're suggesting is we try to get Brad for living and and Ken Holland together to nego- to get uh, a good throw. Well, I got a, I got a real good one worked out, and then I'll leave you. I'll leave you guys okay. alone. Goudreau, their second pick because that's off. Nikolayev, their third pick last year, and Edmonton's third pick for Broberg, Holloway, and Pilyarvi. <laughs> you think they could throw on a line with McDavid and Cassian? Does that not remind All you right. of Gretzky, Curry, and Semenko? Right. Anyways, thanks a lot. I'll chew on that. Thanks, Mick. 
Uh, all right, we got one more to go. We'll get. Uh, we're keeping Eric long, but Joe's been been patient. So, Joe, you're our last caller. You're on with Eric DeHatchik. Thanks for having me on, Eric. It's a good, uh, nice to talk to you and uh, throw a couple things at you. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go all the way to the East Coast here because uh, that's where the uh, cap space seems to be. I know we talked about it earlier, but can you see either Ottawa and or New Jersey sitting in the weeds until right before the season starts and, um, and using their cap space to probably rob a couple players, specifically probably from Tampa Bay at this point? Well, uh, you know, it's and, interesting. Oh, and, and hang on, let me and, – and as well, with, ahead and finish, yeah. uh, with Eugene Melnick having said, you know, cup within four to five years, I think Pierre Dorian's got a little bit of a, a screw on him right now. Yeah. Okay. So let, let, well, let's talk about Ottawa specifically. It's interesting because I'm, I'm sort of working on a, a column for tomorrow, and one of the, uh, the items is going to be on, on Alex Galchenyuk. Right. So Ottawa just picked up Galchenyuk for a million, uh, one million dollars and one point oh zero. Free, basically, when you think about what uh, what Galchenyuk used to earn, when you think about his draft pedigree, and and it forced me to look at Ottawa's depth chart, and they are so thin down the middle right now. I mean, Chris Tierney is listed as their number one guy, Colin White as their number two. I mean, Josh North at some point might you know become a top six guy, but Galchenyuk is going to get a chance to center that top line with with Dadnoff and, and Brady Kachuk. So, uh, you know, the caller that in the first segment that talked to uh, Lou about you know, Ottawa being a dark horse team. I mean, I agree with Lou's take on that, that Ottawa down the road, because of all of the, you know, the young players that they put in the system, they're going to be better. But, but they're, it's going to take at least two to four years to integrate the, all of that draft talent that they got this year and turn them into first NHL players and then NHL players that make a difference. So you're right. They're still in a position where they could do something dramatic. And, again, you do it if there's a guy that's a difference maker out there. I, I think Sergachev is a difference maker. If you look at all of the young players in the game right now that could get to the next level, like is, is how close is Sergachev to Miro High? right now you know oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a gap there but 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 Sergeyev is pretty great and I think that he can be an impact guy for 10 more years so when you think about what you have to pay in terms of, of draft choices going forward if you th- when you think about what you'd have to pay in salary to get him out of there uh, it would be a monstrous whopping package he would want to have to leave a Stanley Cup contending team to be part of a rebuild. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that one. Right? That's not an issue. Yeah. And so, so, so I, I, you know, again, I always try to, you know, sort of make the difference between something that kind of makes sense on paper and then something that can unfold in real life. I, I just, I don't see anybody wanting to leave Tampa, that market, the professionalism of that organization. No, I'm not saying he'd want to leave, but I think, I think they're going to find themselves in a position where they have no choice. Yeah, well, as I said, uh, you know, you, you, maybe you have to bury, you know, a, a, a contract in the minors. That's how you get around it. Or, or alternately, you know, like if you're Tampa and you face the prospect of losing a key young guy, a key young guy, you know, at some point, if the cost of moving Yanni Gourday is a first-round pick in the, you know, in the next draft, maybe you have to do that. And I think the other thing that could happen, if you can buy time, so if you're Tampa, if you can buy time, eventually – Ron Francis is going to be there saying, okay, tell me what it takes to, to take some of these salary cap headaches off of off your plate. So that's what I, again, if I'm Julian Breeze, if I'm running Tampa, 
I'm going to try and do something like what Florida did with Vegas. It ended up backfiring. But remember, Marchessault and Riley Smith both ended up in Vegas because Florida was moving pieces around to try and protect Petrovic. I think Seattle would be a great landing spot for not just Tyler Johnson, but maybe another one of those salary cap headaches. You, it might cost you a ton of draft capital going forward if you're Tampa, but if, if you can get yourself out of salary cap hell and retain Sorelli and retain Sergachev and find the money to pay these guys, it's going to be worth it because you've got your window right now. You've got a chance to, to win. So, so you know, if you bury somebody short-term this year, then you maybe you use Seattle as a landing place for a couple of your headaches in six to nine months' time. Fair enough and cheers. Joe, thanks so much for your call, and uh, we appreciate it. So uh, there we go. That is, uh, we took we took it a little long, Eric, but there's some good stuff there, some good listeners, and some good answers. We appreciate it. Um, it's been fun. We will we'll talk we'll talk again soon. All right, thank you. There we go, Eric DeHatchik, one of our NHL insiders down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975. Check them out at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. PK, what do you got? Uh, well, I sort of ran over a little bit on Hockey Central. What do you got planned for hour one of the big show? Uh, we have Ian McMillan from Odd Shark coming on at uh, about 1.25 to chat uh, all the gambling prospects of the week. Uh, we got three burning questions with Logo, and uh, we'll get ready for uh, a pretty busy big show overall. Uh, rumor has it there might be a high up in the Flames front office making an appearance at some point today. So uh, a lot to get to on the show that uh, starts in a matter of moments. All right, we'll do that next right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.